HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Egg Restaurant, located at 109 North 3rd Street in Brooklyn, New York. For more information, visit eggrestaurant.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network, broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We are coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, January 25th, 2017. This is the 130th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a top hospitality consultant based on the West Coast, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to make things happen for yourself. If you have a passion and desire to create something, take action and don't let anyone or anything get in your way. By putting forth your best effort, you can achieve whatever you set your mind to. Don't wait to rely on others. Instead, seize opportunities for yourself. With hard work, you can make your dreams a reality. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very happy to have my guest calling in today from San Francisco. It is Allison Arth. She is the founder of Salt and Row, a hospitality consulting company, which she founded in 2014. A graduate of Cornell University's School of Hotel Administration, Allison began her career at Danielle Ballou's Dynex Group in an operations-focused leadership role, and she authored her first book, How to Open a Restaurant in Partnership with Open Table, in 2016, in February 2016, which is really cool. So welcome, Allison. Thank you so much, Sherry. I am thrilled to be on the show with you today. Well, I'm thrilled, too. I'm glad we can make this happen, and um, I'm just excited to learn more about 
your whole career because what the little I know is is very impressive. So I like to start it out with you. pe- you're welcome. I like to start out with people's backgrounds and from a longer bio I read of you of yours, it said that you were raised in a bed or on a bed and breakfast. Is it in a bed and breakfast? On a bed and breakfast. <laughs> so um, either one. Either one. So so let's start start there. Um, a little bit about your background. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I fell in love with hospitality at, at a really young age. Um, as you mentioned, I, I did grow up in a bed and breakfast um, that my parents ran out of my childhood home in San Francisco. And as a result, um, taking care of other people as if, you know, they're a part of our family was just sort of how we did things in our house. Um, I absolutely loved meeting new people from all over the world. And I remember even as a kid, I thought it was so special that all of our guests would, would take whatever time they had off in a year for vacation and stay not just in our city, but, but in our home of all places. And I still feel that same sense of gratitude and desire to take care of other people working in hospitality as an adult. Um, culinarily, my, my mother is a fantastic cook with a profound appreciation for food. And so... The kitchen was was unquestionably the heartbeat of our home. Everything important happened there. And I think, in a way, I I grew up believing that everything important just in general happened in (laughs) kitchens. And so I tried to always um, stay close to them, as close as I could. Um, I, I was really passionate about pastry when I was in middle school and high school and worked at a bakery in Berkeley for, for a bit um, when I was a teenager. And for whatever reason, um, the kitchen just didn't, it didn't feel like my professional calling uh, so much as something that I really loved, um, perhaps waking up at 3 a.m. over summer break as a 15-year-old scared me away for life, but um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> so I, I, took my, yeah, I took my career in a bit of a different direction, but still very much revolving around hospitality and, and restaurants and food. So you went to Cornell, and uh, I mean, was that like your, your, your school of preference, uh, obviously, because you, you were interested in, in culinary? Um, and then how did you end up going from there to Danielle Ballou as your as your first job? Um, you know, honestly, I look back at at you know my sixteen, seventeen year old years and am kind of shocked by my conviction of, at that age that that hospitality was the way to go. I knew that I loved food, I knew that I loved restaurants. Um, until I visited Cornell and learned about the program, which I didn't know existed until my junior year of high school, I, I just I hadn't really considered it as as a career. I don't, I don't know what I thought I was going to do, but when I found out about that program, I just completely fell in love, and, and everything else that I had been considering up until that point completely faded away, and I, I decided pretty quickly that that's what I wanted to pursue, and that was the, the education that I wanted to pursue to achieve it. Um, and... My path to Dynex came through Cornell as well. Um, I met a couple of, of Dynex executives during my final semester there. Um, I traveled to New York, I think, with like a restaurant entrepreneurship class and met Ryan Butner and Brett Trucy, who I, I know is one of your guests a little while back. Yes. Um, and we really <laughs> connected. Um, I kind of lucked out because I, I graduated early and I got to sneak out ahead of the rest of my classmates in 2008, which was a particularly competitive year in terms of job hunting. Um, right. I knew I wanted to work for a serious, highly respected restaurant group. 
Um, and I honestly don't think I could have landed with a, a better family of people. Um, when when I arrived there, I went through pretty intense management training, which consisted of working every single front of house position throughout Danielle's restaurants in New York. And once I worked my way through that, I, I started, I joined the opening management team of DBGB, um, which was thrilling to me because in, in college I'd spent nearly every summer doing restaurant openings and I, I was already addicted at a very young age. Um, and once I was a bit more immersed into the Dynex family, I learned pretty quickly that the process of opening restaurants tends to be quite polarizing. People love them or hate them, and there's not a lot of in-between. <laughs> and I was one of the few people on, on that team that really loved them, so I found a niche right away um, and, and sort of started my path with them in, in opening restaurants. CBGB um, was, was Danielle's first restaurant downtown. It was a, a casual place, uh, which is one of his first in that area as well. And then I moved uptown to Cafe Blue to earn my fine dining stripes and helped them lead the team through Cafe Blue's reopening, um, and then moved over to the, the Upper West Side to work on Blue's food and a pizzeria Blue. Yeah, there. I mean, Daniel Blue's restaurant group is, I mean, they're all unique restaurants and uh, places that uh, I love and, and would love to frequently visit. Um, and I remember the opening of, of DBGB, and I remember the relaunch of Cafe Baloo, and all these things got a lot of buzz and, and were very successful launches. So um, kudos to you. <laughs> and um, you. you're welcome. I, I figure. So, so, I mean, did your role, I mean, you. so your role with, with Dynex Group was became doing a lot of these these launches and then or were there other elements um and did you work was it i'm I'm assuming it was a part of a a larger team too or did you work more independently on on some of these i don't you know in your Uh, role i yeah i i wore a lot of different hats there so in all of these openings I, i you know was integrated with the opening management teams and I was usually the person that was there for the shortest amount of time and would really focus on doing pre-opening planning, um, staff hiring, staff training, and then getting the management team in the restaurant on its feet and really comfortable before I would move on to the next opening and that's that's what I did restaurant after restaurant after restaurant. I don't you know I never really had an official title in that capacity. Um, I just loved doing openings. And then um, after a P3 Blue, um, I moved into, you know, what I'll call a project management role um, that was essentially my dream job. Um, I got to work with so many different teams at the corporate level and with all of the restaurants um, doing things like developing a gift box program for a P3 Blue from the ground up and taking our first steps into e-commerce at that time. Um, and in so many ways, I feel like my consulting business was born out of my love for that position. Um, all project-based work. Um, it was a lot of um, dealing with, with fires, dealing with problems, and dealing with um, new restaurants, which are really all of my favorite things. Yeah, well, that leads me to, to my next question. So what, yeah, what prompted you to, to leave and open, open your own consulting business and be on, on the West Coast? Um, which uh, when you're moving back to the West Coast, who were some of the initial clients that you worked with? 
Well, when I first moved back to San Francisco, I, I, I worked at a few different restaurants, um, you know, not under the, the guise of consulting. I worked with the Delfino Restaurant Group as a general manager, which was a great experience. And then I've been um, there. The great opening. pizza. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? I said, I've been there. It's a great pizza. Great pizza. Oh, my goodness. And they, they've opened so many more pizzerias. I think they have their eyes set on L.A. as well. So oh, pizza cool. for everybody. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, so I was with them for a bit. And then I was the director of food and beverage for a private members club uh, called The Battery, um, which I would describe as San Francisco's answer to the Soho house. Um, okay. And... I had I had was there for about a year and a half and just kind of figured out at, at the end of it that um, I love developing and opening hospitality concepts. I love working to fix brokenness. Um, I love project-based work, and those roles within larger companies and restaurant groups are hard to come by. Um, there just there aren't a lot of places that I'd be interested in working that have room for a person that's dedicated just to that type of work. So I decided it was a worthy risk to try and create that role for myself by starting my own company focused on providing those specific services. Um, you know, if it didn't work out, I didn't have a ton to lose. So it felt like it felt like the right step. And um, some of my first clients in San Francisco were, uh, you know, one really significant one was Tracy Desjardins, um, who has been a friend and a mentor for a very long time. I interned for her at Chardonnay when I was 17, I think. Um, and over, over 10 years later, she's a client of mine. Um, and, you know, I'm very, very grateful to, to work with her. Yeah, so I don't I don't know her personally, but I know who she is, and it's uh, yeah, that's a that's a good client to have. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> and then I've also so I I know well, I know you would know Gavin Kaysen from Cafe Baloo and working mm-hmm. with the Dynex Group, and and um, he launched his first restaurant, Spoon and Stable, in, in Minneapolis, and I saw you were a part of that project, so. Um, how how was working with with Gavin on that? Oh, that was such a special project. Gavin was my first client. Um, Gavin and I have known each other for ten years now. Um, we worked together at Cafe Blue um, for a couple of years, and then uh, after I left that restaurant, we we continued to work with each other in various capacities while I was at Dynex. And um, he and I have just, we, we've always had a like a particularly effective working relationship. Um, I just think that our skill sets complement each other really well. Um, personally, I mean, he's he's family to me. I just think he's such an exceptional um, leader and an exceptional person. And so when he made the decision to leave New York and go back to Minneapolis and open his very first place, um, it just felt natural that we would do it together. And, um, you know, so flattering and complimentary that he gave me the opportunity to do that. And it also felt like the perfect um, first consulting project. He, I definitely credit him with being one of a small handful of people that really pushed me off the cliff um, <laughs> when I was making the decision to, to start this company. Um, so uh, thank you to Gavin for that. And 
Um, the project itself, I mean, Spoon and Stable, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to visit. But. I haven't, and it's, I really would like would like to go. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Gavin as a chef and a person, too. I just I think, mm-hmm. he, I think he's, he's incredible, and everything I've seen about the restaurant just looks awesome, and I'm very happy for him. And, yes, I'm, I'm planning a trip, maybe not in winter, though. Yeah, yeah, good call, good call. Um, Spoon and Stable opened in November, and it was cool. one of the longer winters of my life. Right. Um, but it's a fantastic restaurant, and the team that works with him there is just, you know, second to none in so many ways. He's just surrounded by a group of people that were so hungry for someone like him to, to set up shop in that city and, and inspire and challenge and push and he's doing all those things with, with some really great people, and I'm in, I'm so happy to be a part of it. Um, and I'll actually be headed out there in just about a month to help him open his, his second restaurant in, oh. um, in Minneapolis again. Right. I read something about that. Um, he's he's starting to, to grow into a, a bigger restaurant group, which is exciting um, to have more Very than one. Very exciting. So that's great. Okay, we're going to take a little break here, and then we're going to come back and talk more with Allison. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Brought to you by Egg Restaurant. For over 10 years, Egg has focused on making the best breakfasts in New York with a menu that combines southern inflected classics like biscuit, grits, and country ham with dishes like duck hash, chorizo, and eggs, pancakes dripping with Vermont maple syrup, and more vegetables than you ever dreamed of eating before noon. But what gets them up every morning at Egg is something different. It's the chance to improve everything they encounter, the lives of the people who work with them, the lives of their customers, the health of their local economy, and the soil their food is grown in. Their interest in food goes way beyond what they put on your plate. Food touches on everything they care about, flavor, health, social justice, art and literature, agriculture, and ecology. It's one of the reasons Egg Restaurant is so happy to support Heritage Radio, who digs into everything that matters every week. For more information, visit eggrestaurant.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Allison Arth. She's the founder of Salt and Row, a hospitality consulting company based in San Francisco. Uh, so, Allison, what? How'd you come up with the name Salt and Row? Salt and Row does have a, a specific significance. Um, I think of salt as being one of the most, if not the most, uh, fundamental ingredients in cooking. Um, in my mind, a chef can buy the highest quality proteins and produce and spend hours preparing and perfecting each one, uh, but ultimately, without salt, a dish just doesn't come together. It won't taste right. Um, I feel the same way when it comes to establishing organizational systems and clearly communicating the vision of a restaurant. Um, a restaurant can have incredible talent, an unlimited budget, a beautiful space, um, but without a solid foundation supported by structure and thoughtful, consistent training, it can't reach its full potential. So that's the first half of the name. Roe is my mother's last name. Um, I 
I, you know, alluded to her uh, when I spoke about the bed and breakfast mm-hmm. at the beginning of our conversation. Um, she's an extraordinary woman, um, an exemplary hospitalitarian. She's just the ultimate caretaker. Um, and she has had and continues to have um, a really big impact on me. And since we don't share the last name, it felt appropriate and important to include it in this way. That's a great answer. I love it. <laughs> no, it's, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a great name. So with your services, I know you do things like operations strategy and management and hospitality training. Um, are you, uh, I mean, what are, 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 are on, on each client, is it a little different, the services you're providing? And do you have a team with you or is it, is it you solo right now doing all these, all of these tasks? Um, my, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, services, services I provide are, are really grounded in front of house operations um, with specific depth in um, the opening process. Um, but the what I ultimately end up doing is so dependent on who the client client is and what their needs are and how our relationship develops. Um, I don't think I've ever works with a client where we accomplished exactly what we thought we were going to accomplish at the beginning. It almost always evolves into something much bigger and more dynamic, um, which is exciting for me because um, I think there's, there's lots of learning on both sides. Um, and as far as who's actually doing the work, it is, it's me. I have some support, um, from, from like partner companies that I work with, but as far as, um, Salton Row, it is a solo venture right now, which is kind of fun. <laughs> I'm solo, so I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's nice to provide a personalized service, and it is a lot of work, too. So, <laughs> um, yes, it is. <laughs> so I had some great questions from my past guests for you, so I, I want to get to them. Um, Okay. Yeah. So the first one on episode 128, I had on Nick Kokonis. He's the co-owner and co-founder of Alinea, Next, The Aviary, and Royster. And he's the CEO of Talk, which is a compre- comprehensive reservation booking system. So Nick wanted to know, what's the difference between the two coasts in terms of restaurants? That is a great question. Um, yes. As a disclaimer, I've spent time all over the East and West Coast, um, but I've only ever lived in San Francisco and New York. Um, So, you know, that's where where my opinions of both coasts are sort of based. Um, hmm, I think there's a natural tendency here in in California and and Oregon and Washington as well um, to see restaurants and menus that celebrate ingredients um, rather than celebrating on the manipulation of those ingredients or focusing on culinary techniques. Um, not that either of those are absent, it's just not usually the focus of a, of a concept. Um, I think that theme is present on the East Coast, um, you know, local food and, and that whole movement, but less dominant out of necessity. So that's one thing. Uh, personally, I believe that the East Coast has a greater, a greater appreciation for hospitality and the art of service than the West Coast does. I couldn't tell you exactly why that is, but I think it has to do with the more sort of nonchalant, casual, almost rejection of formality here. 
Um, and in San Francisco specifically, I would add that I think the restaurant scene is less. It's, I think it's less diverse than it is in New York because of the, the changing demographics here and, and really the preferences of, of that demographic, um, which right now is a lot of um, people involved in the tech industry. Right. Well, that's, that's an excellent answer. I mean, all good points. His other question was, um, when are you going to work together? <laughs> Which is such an exciting question. It is. Uh, it's a I great one. You saw from our social media uh-huh. yesterday on Facebook. We've already got it covered. It's in the works. Well, I'm glad if this show can do anything to unite people or help them connect, <laughs> then I feel I'm doing my job. So so I look forward to see what that possible collaboration might might be. Now, the other question I had on episode 129 I had on Dana Cowan. She's the creative director at the Chef's Club International, and she's former editor-in-chief at Food & Wine Magazine and the host of a new show on Heritage Radio Network called Speaking Broadly. So Dana wanted to know, what's the most extraordinary cheap meal you've ever had? Um, Another great question, and... You know, Dana Cowan hardly needs an, an uh, introduction. She's so fabulous, and I'm just she such is. a fan of hers. Um, I would say all manner of street food in Mexico City. Um, I visited recently, just in November, and I can think of a couple of particularly revelatory experiences. One was a taco, the other was a huarache, and both. I think we're about a dollar and twenty five cents. Um, that. But I mean, you know, that first taco I had, you know, we landed tired. It was kind of cold, and I, I bought a taco at a, a street stand, and it was just like mind blowing, like completely mind blowing. And the next day, I woke up and I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe my opinion is being influenced by the circumstances. You know, I was tired, and so anything would have tasted good. So I continued to try out just about every single street food stand I could get my hands on in Mexico City and prove that it was not the circumstances. <laughs> Everything is just fantastic. <laughs> that's that's a great answer. Mexico City's also on my list of places to visit. Um, so, and that, yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, you did, that meal definitely qualifies as being inexpensive, <laughs> and I could see oh, how yeah. it would be. It would be great. So. Awesome. So let's talk a little about this this first book that you you wrote, How to Open a Restaurant in Partnership with Open Table. Um, I, I downloaded it because it's online and was was skimming through, and um, I went all the way down to the PR section, of course, to see what was in there. I saw George, <laughs> uh, Georgette Farkas. You had you had offering some insight, but um, what an amazing tool! I was really impressed. I need to go back and, and read this whole thing. So. How, I mean, it looked like a huge project to put that together. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. It was, and it was such a fun project, and I'm so happy to hear that even, you know, after some quick skimming, it felt practical to you. Um, Absolutely. But the, the book landed in my court through my relationship with Jennifer Pelka, who um, was Danielle's culinary assistant when I started at Dynax, and she and I have been personally and professionally very close since then. Um, she made many other stops before landing on Open Table's marketing team. And this ebook, this How to Open a Restaurant ebook, was her idea to help Open Table add value to their brand by offering a really practical resource on a topic that many people need help navigating. 
And there's not a lot out there in the way of instructional tools. Um, and it was it was such a great fit for me because it's, it's my ultimate passion. And um, it was an immense amount of work, and it was a very new type of work for me, um, for someone who's used to running around a restaurant all day long, um, you know, conducting interviews with incredible people was far and away the best best part of the whole experience to just get to pick the brains of all of these chefs and restaurateurs who are so disarmingly honest with me about their experiences, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, and then taking all that information and sitting down and like locking myself in a room and writing all day every day was totally foreign <laughs> and really hard, but um, I learned a lot from it, and um, and I, I'm, I'm really happy with how it came out, so I'm glad to hear you feel the same. Oh, yeah. I'm really impressed with it. I'm going to go back and read the whole thing. I think, I mean, kudos to you, because I think writing a book is, is hard and, and with all that information. And, um, yeah, I suggest anyone to go to go check this out. I know there's a link through your website um, that people can find it. Um, so I'll, I'll give the info at the end of the show. Um, yeah, no, it's great. Okay, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to play my speedrun game and talk some industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Allison Arth. Allison, it is time for my speed round game. Are you ready? Oh my goodness. I hope so. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. There's no right or wrong. What it is, is I'm going to name um, a couple things, and you pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Okay. Okay? So here we go. Eat in or eat out. Out. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Oh. Cocktail followed by wine. I can't choose there. Ooh, I like that. That's a first on that answer. (laughs) (laughs) How about um, tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Oh, always a counter. Love a counter. <laughs> I love a counter, too. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? And I go hospitality included. All righty. Pottery barn or crate and barrel? <laughs> crate and barrel. <laughs> Everyone's answer. <laughs> objectively superior. All right. Good to know. Good to know. How about um, working with individual restaurants or with restaurant groups? 
It might be a tricky one. Oh, that's so tricky. That's impossible. They're 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 fun for different reasons. I think. I think you know, in my heart, it's probably independent restaurants. I find those projects to be, I think, the most personally rewarding. But um, I do love the the challenges that come with uh, working with growing restaurant groups. Great. Okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Geez, that's the hardest one yet. Um, <laughs> um, probably, probably cheese. Okay. I'm not going to hold you to this. I mean, but, but okay. it's good to know you like cheese. Um, last one. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or San Francisco? I think I have to say Manhattan. Woohoo! Love, love my home city, but um, I think Manhattan still has my heart. Okay, I'll take it. And that's the game. So um, it's time. We're going to talk some industry news. So the article I picked out was on Food Republic. The title: The way to save the restaurant. The way to save the restaurant industry. It's a question mark. Put the fast in fine dining. And this was by Andrea Strong. And Andrea's been, I mean, Andrea's, it's nice she's she's writing more now. She's actually one, someone who's kind of like the first food blogger credited from a long time ago. She's been a writer and then she got married, had kids, wasn't writing as much. So anyway, she wrote this great article. And it's talking about fast fine, which is... Um, fast fine dining in San Francisco and some examples of restaurants mm-hmm. like Corridor and Suvla, which I know you know about through Jen Pelka mm-hmm. and, um, and this concept that there's no waiters um, in a service style that, that you're ordering at a counter and, and it's more, it's more, uh, uh, you know, getting, getting rid of the service staff, but at the same time, keeping the high level of the experience with the decor and the, Playlists and the and the flatware and everything else they're doing, just kind of changing the service. So, perfect topic to talk to someone like you about. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I, I was really happy to, to see this article for a number of reasons. Um, I, I also love Andrea Strong's writing, and I remember um, getting her her newsletter. I think it was called the Strong Report. The, the Strong Buzz. I don't, Strong, but uh-huh. that's what it was. I yeah. remember. I re- remember reading it avidly. So um, it's great to see her writing again. I think she's very talented. Um, and this is such a, you know, such an of the moment topic. And you know, I'm kind of hesitant to even call it a trend because I do think that it's something that's going to continue to evolve and grow um, for all of the reasons that Andrea suggests in her article, the cost of labor, um, changing preferences of customers. Um, And I will say that I think that this is something that's been particularly welcome and embraced in San Francisco. The demographics of the city have changed a lot. And as the tech landscape continues to broaden here, I do think that a majority of the people eating out in San Francisco value efficiency, control, and lower prices versus having a more robust service experience. Um, I don't... I think I, I don't see a significant of a shift in, in New York, but, you know, 
the tip credit is, is going away there, or it's gone away, and, and minimum wage is going to keep rising everywhere. So I imagine that we'll start seeing more and more SAS fines. Um, but I, I do think the West Coast is per- particularly well positioned to, to sort of take it and run with it. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, though I think I took away the biggest point being the the cost of labor and that this combats it and that that in San Francisco there isn't the tip credit and and for the, those reasons why this is catching on. And and then it cited how um, Daniel Hume and Will Godera's Made Nice might be doing something a little more in this direction and also how Dig In um, Fast Casual is kind of going that way. But I was I was brainstorming myself and trying to think, do we have that in New York? And I, I I don't think we do yet. The only thing I could think of was how there's been a lot of uh, the food halls that have opened recently, um, mm-hmm. which I think is is kind of like a similar strategy. Um, and those have been, I mean, we've had a, a tremendous amount of them open in New York City and be, be very successful. So um, I'm curious to see, you know, if this does keep keep catching on and and become, you know, more prevalent here in New York and elsewhere. So Yeah, I am too. I think that there's, I think it's a great trend. I love Zula. Um, I, I, I do think that there's a time and place for that type of service, though, and Zula is an example of one that it's really well suited to. You know, it's, it's um, a beautiful space, and it's such an easy service experience. Um, as, you know, Charles has said, it's a place that still feels appropriate for a date, um, but it's without without a more robust service experience. I, I worry about seeing that trend move into restaurant concepts that maybe are less well-suited for, for a really stripped-down service model, and then you kind of get a lack of cohesion between the space and the quality of the food, the level of complexity of the food and the service. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, me too. And when I was I was in San Francisco last year, I did go to Suvla, but it was a gorgeous day. And I just I ordered. I mean, there was a line at the front where you ordered um, uh, from from someone uh, who had an iPad and took orders. And then I just took it to go and sat outside. So I didn't. I mean, I was mm-hmm. in. I saw the space, and it was it was very lovely. Um, and it was very it was happening. It was very popular. So <laughs> um, yeah. I, I know they've been successful in our opening many locations, or they have more than one now, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think um, it's about to open number three. Okay. Yeah, no, so it's cool. So that's stay tuned to see if this is a trend and keeps growing. And then before we take a break, I just have some breaking news. So today, uh, Bacusta Dior competition, the, the finals in Lyon, France, um, were happening, and Team USA won the gold. Did you did you know? Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah, I've been texting with Gavin all day. So thrilled! It's I mean, a, such a big deal. It's huge. It's amazing. I mean, we're the, for for people listening to the show, Gavin Kaysen, You know, he, he's he's been involved in this and and coaching now. And this is uh, uh, the U.S. team with Thomas Keller and Daniel Blue and Jerome Bakus behind it and and training. And they've worked really hard to to place and they did not only place they they got um first place so it's kudos really exciting um and i'm excited to announce on february 15th i've already booked phil tassier and matt peters they're 
Phil is the coach of the team and Matt is the chef for 2017. So they're going to be on my show. So I'm going to talk with them and I'm, I'm just thrilled for them. So congratulations. And on that note, we are going to take another break and come back. I'm going to do my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Itza. Here's the rundown. The location, 285 Madison Avenue at 40th Street, New York City. The concept, a fully automated fast food chain serving freshly made and customized quinoa bowls. Why did I go? Because I wanted to see if this was the future of dining. My experience. So on a rainy late uh, Friday afternoon, I entered the space to find that I was actually the only one there. It was a kind of off time. There was a worker there who offered to assist me if I had questions. The process, order at one of the iPad kiosks, wait for your name to appear on one of the glass cubbies in the back wall, retrieve your order from a cubby by double tapping on the door, get your utensils from this fancy dispenser, and then take a seat and eat. What did I get? So I went with the Toscana bowl with warm lemon herb toasted quinoa, basil, pesto, roasted winter squash, roots, cauliflower, plus it had Parmesan, fried spaghetti, pumpkin seeds, minestrone, and parsley, and I had a glass of water. So my take. It was actually quite tasty and fresh and very filling. Now, I would have preferred less of that of, of all the ingredients. I felt I didn't need the minestrone and cheese and would have preferred more vegetables. But I was impress, impressed with um, the freshness, and it was delicious. The ambiance. It's a highly automated, bright space with minimalist, min, minimalistic decor. Perfect for a casual vegetarian meal. Interesting tidbit. Itza is dubbed as the first fast food chain in America that requires zero human interaction. It started on the West Coast with locations in San Francisco and L.A. The food is prepared by humans, but because they're behind the cubbies, you don't see them. Personal fun fact. If you saw my Instagram story, which I did while I was there, it took me three times to tap on my cubby door to get it to open. I don't know. I had trouble with that, but I guess it made for a good video. The cost was $6.95, not including tax. Would I go back? Yes, I'd try it again, maybe another bowl next time I'm in the neighborhood. Website is itza.com. So, Allison, are you familiar with Itza? I am familiar with Itza. Um, we have, I think, one location here, and I had every intention of visiting it, um, but it's right next to Yank Sing, which is probably one of the best in some restaurants in San Francisco. So my intentions were thwarted. I hear you. I just, I, it was kind of an, an easy decision. I couldn't, Got it. I couldn't do it. So 
I've never been. Yeah, well, it's funny. I picked this restaurant to go to for the solo dining before the article I, I, I that came out about the the fast fine and just all seems so fitting. I mean, this this there were there were people there, but it is more of a you don't need human interaction experience, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, so we'll see if they open more here in New York. Um, Okay, it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Melanie Dunia. She is an independent photographer and author who is best known for her iconic portraits of renowned chefs, celebrities, and influencers. So Allison, can you ask a question for Melanie? Yeah, now that I know exactly who it is, I may ask two questions. Um, My first is... What was the last dining experience Melanie had that felt really impactful and why? Um, and then I would be so interested to know um, who she's most enjoyed photographing and why. That's great. I will ask, and I think it's fair. You give two questions because you answered two questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, great. Well, thank you so much. That's the show. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I, I'm, I'm really glad we connected, and I, I am very impressed with your career, and I wish you the best. And next time you're in New York City, let me know. Maybe we can grab a bite together. Um, it would be great to see you in person. Agreed. I would love that. We'll get dessert and cheese. Oh, awesome. Because my, <laughs> my answer is dessert, but I'm happy to share some, share some cheese with you. Good. Okay, so my guest today has been Allison Arth. She's the founder of Salt and Row, a hospitality consulting company based in San Francisco. You can find her website is saltandrow.com and also on social media at Salt and Row. And Row is O um, R O E, just for people to know. You can find me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher. And I encourage you to subscribe to our show if you like it. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also leave a review there. And you can also leave a review if you want on my Facebook page. Um, No one's done that yet, and I just realized that. So feel free to leave your comments there. I'd like to thank my engineer, Vitor, who's new to Heritage Radio Network and doing an amazing job. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next Wednesday, same time, same place, with another live show. Till then, have a good week, and thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on facebook instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio heritage radio network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place and we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community rate the shows you like tell your friends and please join our community by becoming a member just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. thanks for listening 